One just has to select the right objects and fit them into the picture precisely, and then they'll tell their own story all by themselves. What is photography other than collecting? Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio. And this is Ward. And this is episode 170, 170 for the end of October 2020. End of October. End of October already. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, about Halloween time yep. for those people who are running around dressed up as photographers pretending to be. Well, that's what we did all week. So What, we pretended to be photographers? <laughs> yeah. And we sort of were photographers, too. So yeah. It worked out. Yeah. You're very convincing. So, yeah. Um, and how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Yeah. I think uh, it's, it's, it's been a slice. It's been amazing. Yeah. So, amazing we're, time. so we're recording this early. Uh, we're just at the end of Ward's trip for, uh, to uh, New York. Uh, how's, how's been the trip for you so far? Really good. I think I got uh, I got what I wanted. I came and did what I meant to do uh, here, and I uh, got to meet you. And um, we learned some important things about each other and how the city works uh, for me. How the you know practical things like the train, and the train, yeah, all yeah, that. Subways yeah. came uh, came to enjoy quite a bit. So, yeah. and and yeah. your. Um, our last day here, we did a little uh, walking in other photographers' shoes a little bit. Yeah, we I did. I mean, not really, but we did a visit to the Jazz Loft. The Jazz Loft. It's 821 6th Avenue. Avenue. Yeah, yeah, 821 6th Avenue. So anybody who doesn't know the Jazz Loft, uh, you can. there's a great documentary about... Uh, uh, it's like, the, the documentary is called The Jazz Loft According to W. Eugene Smith. Mm. Right. And so the photographer, I, I won't go into too much details, but essentially he lived in a building where there was a lot of jazz musicians coming and uh, jamming for endless hours, hours into hours. the night. And, and he had wired the whole place for sound. And so there's all these tape recordings and his photographs. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we did the visit to there. What was that like? Oh, it was great. I mean, it's doing pilgrimages to faraway places and for me new york's a faraway place so to you know do the empire state building earlier in the week which is a touristy thing and then something that's a little deeper or more personal to us in terms of music and photography and it's confluence of both that building so it was fun yeah. to be there and imagine him poking his lens out the window and shooting down on right, sixth right. avenue that was like we're taking <laughs> pictures of the, i think the fire hydrants over there we'll get a picture of that and Shooting up at the windows where he put where he where he lived. It was, it was kind of fun cool. when we got there. There was a vendor in front, and he goes, yeah. "He said, you you come to see the jazz place?'" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's right. Yes, yeah. I said, "Other people have come here." He's like, "Yes, they come here a lot." And yeah, very nondescript building. It's mm -hmm. still there, which is kind of cool. I mean, uh, don't know how long they'll be there for, considering all the development that's going on in the city. But it's yeah. it's still there, five story. You know, I wouldn't quite call it a it, when I picture a loft. For me, the lofts are taller buildings okay. and bigger spaces, but right. but maybe loft in this case just represents any kind of commercial building because it was a commercial building when right. he was living there, and the the jazz musicians were playing there kind of illegally, you know, because okay. it wasn't okay. a um, 
it wasn't a uh, residential space, so they could play as loud as they want for l- late into the evenings. But but William, um, sorry, uh, Eugene Smith lived there. He set up a dark room and and, right. and whatnot, and so. Uh, it's it, it's still a nondescript building. There's some some kind of store downstairs. I don't know what it was a trading place yeah, or something some like that. Like import, import export. export. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we did. It was closed, but we did sort of poke our heads into the hallway, which looked yeah. the same. I'm assuming yeah. looked the same because there wasn't like new plaster on the walls. No. Or, no. But um, yeah, that was kind of fun. And actually, standing even though we couldn't go up stairs, we could stand there and sort of peek out to the corners where mm-hmm. you could see where he would shoot because. Uh, Gene Smith would photograph from his window a lot. And a lot of the shots from his window, I think they had like blackout paint on the windows right. so that there was no light coming in. But he had one window that was sort of shaped like a W, like it was scratched out. Right. And so he would shoot using that as a foreground element and, and hide. So the foreground and then yeah. the street would show up in the background. And in relation to that, last night we ended up watching... Minimata. Minimata the, with... Uh, with uh, Johnny John, Depp. Johnny Depp. Yeah. Which is the story? You tell the story. Well, it's a it's a uh, towards the end of of um, Gene Smith's career, um, he was had a kind of an antagonistic relationship with uh, Life Magazine, which is pretty graphically depicted yeah. in the uh, in the movie. And it was about his final pros, uh, pro project, which was uh, to shoot the. Um, uh, the people who lived around the Minamata uh, chemical plant and who were suffering in Japan, in Japan, yeah. or suffering uh, birth defects and so on, and uh, it was very heart wrenching, um, interesting, and uh, in the end, enlightening portrait of him, uh, of that part of his life. And and the highlight of the of of that is that photograph of the mother bathing uh, uh, daughter. Yeah, daughter. his daughter, or her daughter, yeah. In in black and white picture, and yeah. she's all deformed, and, she and she's bathing. The cover of life, in, yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to make this show about the review of the movie. Maybe we could do that later or something like that. Maybe yeah. we should review photographer well, we'll movies. Do, I think we're going to do, uh, um, yeah. Oh, it's Gene actually. Smith. The we want to do Smith deep Gene dive. Smith deep dive, yeah. I think, yeah. But this was, it was an incredibly good movie. And I, I was saying at the end, I thought this was a great way to do a biopic of a photographer or, you know, maybe of anybody, but of a photographer because like someone like Gene Smith had such a huge career mm-hmm. and it spanned so many years and he did so many different things, you know, World War II, you know, Pittsburgh and, and all this other stuff. And uh, how, do, how do you summarize that? You can't. And I no. think taking this one little story and, and expanding on it and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it doesn't cover his whole life, but... Uh, Johnny Depp did a fantastic job. I mean, and I didn't he know looked like him from the side. There, it was an uncanny, Amazing. uncanny resemblance. Um, and I didn't even see Johnny Depp anymore. Like sometimes no. you can kind of see him, like you know his character. No, yeah. I, I didn't really see him in this. I saw him playing this character. So anyway, if it's you know, this is a highly, highly recommended movie. If yeah. um, even if you don't know Gene Smith's f- photographs, I would see it because it's. Uh, yeah, kind of typical. Well, there's a kind of a montage towards the beginning of the movie of his famous photographs. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good way, and you, I, I'm sure many of us would recognize some of the pictures that he. That oh he, yeah, that go through that. Yeah, that, uh, montage. And so. and at the beginning, they they sort of compressed time a little bit yeah. because they showed him photographing through his window, uh, and some of the shots that he did during the jazz loft time which was earlier than the Minimata mm-hmm. but I think they were just establishing character and what they did in the set was they created the same window with that 
paint yeah. cut out. Yeah. And I saw that yeah. and I was like, yeah, because you like, were pointing at the TV. I'm like, I'm like what? look, look, this, that, I mean, to me, that kind of detail, like, yeah. um, you know, for us photo geeks or something like that. But for me, that kind of detail is really important. And, and the, the three windows in the loft. Three and windows. And, and that's you were the, outside those windows on the sidewalk. That right. They managed to do like three that. windows rather than two or four. Like someone, yeah. someone paid attention to, to yeah. the details. Anyway. Uh, yeah, now we're getting into a review of that. <laughs> but we did that yesterday. That was kind of nice. And then yeah. we, then we marched over to see if we could see the two ninety one gallery from the Stieglitz time. Yeah. But that building is not quite the same. We were sort of standing in the same area, but it didn't. You know, the, we're, we were more on the Gene uh, Smith yeah. kick than the Stieglitz yeah. kick. So anyway, we did that. <laughs> beginning of the week the first thing we did was go to the uh, Metropolitan Museum to see the Burned and Hilla Besher exhibit and I mentioned that we would be talking about this and so I thought this was a good episode to uh, to actually you know do our sort of review of it mm -hmm. and even just our experience walking through yeah. and this is uh, we're going to air this podcast at the end of uh, October. October and the exhibit is uh, only until November 6th Right. So if you're in the New York area and you're able to go to the Met Museum before November 6th, I would highly recommend going to see this show. I mean, you can see their work online and understand what you're looking at. So you know, it may or may not appeal to you. But even if it doesn't, I would go see this because yeah. uh, because of the uh, quality of the show and, and everything. So And the depth and breadth of it. I mean, this is the biggest retrospective I've ever heard of um, and certainly seen in my experience. So... And you said that Arnold was it Arnold Newman that you went to see? No, it was, was Irving it? Penn. Irving, Irving Penn. Penn. I always get those two guys mixed. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, but anyway, they, they uh, you, you that was the only retrospective that you saw that was larger Lar than this one, or or as large as large as large. Yeah. I mean, it, it it just by the nature of their work. I mean, for Irving Penn, there was a lot like they were. Yes, he's had a sort of varied career, and his his right. you know you go from his still life i mean it's still life it's still life and mm -hmm. his portraits and stuff like that and um it was sort of a wandering through the years and it was interesting about the show well let's let's describe okay. the show describe their uh describe them a little bit i think you're you're better well, at they're that than a I german am. couple um and they started they started photographing large industrial structures um, of in their fifties, in, in, yeah, in the nineteen fifties, they started, um, or earlier. I think it was, I don't or, think it was later than that. Actually, okay. well, they were interested in the subject matter, and I know Burned was doing drawings of industrial subjects very early in his career. And they're from Germany. And they right? are German. Yeah. Uh, and then they started visiting steel plants and oil refineries, and first in in uh, in Europe, and then uh, moving on to the United States and the UK. UK and Canada. I think there's one uh, the Windsor Salt plant in Canada, um, and they're basically large, tall, monolithic. I guess is one adjective you could uh, you could put on on their subject matter, where they uh, all the images are vertical in presentation. And oh, that's right, they were all vertical. I didn't even realize yeah. that. Yeah, and. Um, and it was uh, the way the su each of their subjects fill the frames very similar from one picture to the next, um, and I, you know, the way I would be describing it, it sounds kind of boring, um, but when you look at the actual prints, uh, 
even in the in the book or we have postcards here to look at that's one thing but if you start looking and you see the amazing level of detail the consistency of processing that they did from one end of the one end of the show to the other let's go a little technical as long as you're bringing that let's like talk the technical first because i think this is important yeah you know you know we don't we you know yeah photography is related to equipment and in this case they chose the right equipment based on the subject matter they were doing and they you know there was a bit of an argument an argument but like debate we're trying to figure out what kind of cameras they were using because there wasn't necessarily uh, specify, but I guess they use different cameras across the spectrum. But most likely, anything larger than a four by five mm-hmm. view camera, yeah. uh, maybe European standard five by seven, right? Um, which would, six by nine, six by nine, or something yeah. like that. But those are the, they actually had a couple of horizontal um, panoramics, but the, right. uh, but maybe eight by ten view cameras yeah. as well. And the the uh, the reason for that, well, that's what they had, and they sort of. Uh, decided to ignore 35 millimeter or right. m- even medium format, uh, and and uh, the the their subjects require this detail. Right. So they're using large format film, uh, and enlarging somewhat to yeah. to create the print shooting vertically, as you said. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're going around with this giant camera, and they're going around. There's a little video of them sh- like unpacking uh, right. into a hotel, and you see all the gear that they're bringing in, and it's all just heavy duty stuff. Um. They also photographed these objects, these buildings and structures. Uh, they tend to do it on, on days that the, the sun was, was not there, on yeah. overcast days, because yeah. they wanted to avoid shadows as much yeah, as possible. Shadows, and they get the detail in the nooks and crannies of each of their subjects. And right. some of them, like in the case of a blast furnace, which has a lot of pipes and ducts going around the outside of it, uh, they certainly want the interior of of those structures to be lit enough so that you could see all the detail in them. Right. And uh, their their um, attention to detail also meant that they were, um, they were often circling some of these objects, yeah. like photographing them from maybe four to eight different angles, like the right. cardinal points on the, on the compass and maybe yeah. the individual points. You know, so eight, mm-hmm. it'll be eight points, right? Yeah. Yeah. North, South, East, West, Northwest. Yeah. Uh, and some of their pr- present. Oh, so describe their, describe their presentation, like how these were present. Oh, and the other thing I just wanted to mention before I'm going to insert. I, I recorded this while we were walking through. Yes, you did the galleries. So, in this show, I'm going to insert little bits of us uh, walking around, so you can hear what the experience was like while we were wa- yeah. looking at the video. I just don't know when I'm going to insert. <laughs> yeah. So if all of a sudden the audio changes and you hear us walking around. Like, what's going <laughs> on? Yeah. I just want to do that for flavor, so. The print quality is really nice. When you see the uh, documentary, you can see if we can figure out the size camera that they're using. I can't tell. It's well, not a four by five. The way you were talking about it, it seemed like it was a five by seven. And I mean, it could be five by seven. Is it? It's the same. It's, it's taller, not, well, right? It's, it's not. not it's not two by three, and it's not oh. eight by ten, right? Five by seven is uh, five by seven is more longer. this proportion. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's nice. Yeah. But yeah, describe how the presentation is. So originally I thought it was curated this way, but actually the Beshers did set it up where they had uh, groupings of images, um, sometimes as few as 
maybe eight and as many as 30. 30 is their largest. Is largest in, in a, a very, very symmetrical, square, rectangular presentation. Large prints, what would we say, 20 by 24? Or At least, yeah. The, they, were, they went from that to a little bit larger to a little yeah. bit smaller, but they were certainly like much bigger than like seven, you know, 16 by 20 would might, might have been the smallest one. So, so some of these installations on the wall are, are kind of almost overwhelming in their scale. And um, to, to kind of soothe yourself a little bit, like what am I supposed to look at? You just walk up to one of them and have a look and see how much detail there is. And there's you start to find relationships between the images. But uh, some images are... Uh, grouped together by type of object, for instance, water towers or blast furnaces or um, grain, uh, grain elevators, grain elevators, yeah. uh, gas storage tanks. And then some of them are broken up. There are a whole bunch of interesting images of uh, objects that have different purposes. And so that kind of breaks up the breaks up kind of the sameness. Right. Yeah. And uh, each had their own uh, charm. And you never felt, even with kind of the, you know, and I keep coming back to this, the sameness of the proportions of, of the subjects that are being presented in the images, you never felt like enough already. There was, oh, there was so much detail yeah. in what they were doing and what they had um, that it, it seemed fresh. Yeah. And uh, it, was, uh, it was fascinating. One of the things that was... When you when you this is my second time seeing the show. So yeah, I saw. I it once. actually want to talk with you about. Did you pick up anything more different? Okay, I'll it think about that. Time. All right, <laughs> you do that, that in the background while you're talking. Yeah, I think about that uh, again. The the marvel of this is the partially the presentation. Mm -hmm. uh, the the Met um, had their full photography gallery, which is multiple different rooms mm -hmm. designed. I mean, a set up for this show. And then they had a secondary gallery across from it, which was a very large space for some of the larger installations also for this. So it was an, it's an overwhelming, it's almost an overwhelming number of prints. Right. Um, when you look at the prints, what, or what's amazing about everything is the consistency mm -hmm. between picture to picture uh, or grouping to grouping and, and, and the size of the objects that they place in there. It's like right. it's a, everything is... Um, it's kind of the same size. Right. And, and regardless of the size of the object that they're photographing. So mm -hmm. the sense of scale throughout the show kind of, it, it, you know, you're looking at a house and then you're looking at a grain elevator that's, you know, 20 stories tall yeah. and they're presented in the frame the same size. Yeah. But what was, I mean, what was really great about this is that the, well, the print quality. Now we're talking that these are pre-digital. There's no digital photography no, in this. No. This is all film. And the print size and the, subject matter um absolutely invite you to quote unquote pixel peep right <laughs> and it, it's almost like the you know so you get a presentation of 12 prints on the wall and they're all maybe let's say it's a it's the same green elevator or something right. like that but uh each of the pictures seem to stand out on their, on own. their own yeah absolutely as a grouping they stand on their own but you can like drill your face into a picture and you mm -hmm. start to see things that you know, there's the macro and there's the micro right. in that in those images. And uh, I actually to relate back to the question that you were answer asking me about my first and second experience. I think right. the second experience was more about ex uh, sort of exploring that 
um, okay. sense of scale and depth in I the knew, picture. I know that you were interested in finding like the vehicles or something that would give a little twig as to what the scale was of the picture, right? And I found you doing that more than I did, or I was more interested in trying to figure out the year the picture was taken by the age <laughs> of the vehicles, which is, you know, the car nerd. Would you have me. done that if you were by yourself? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't yeah. think... If I was by myself, well, when I went to go see it for the first, I, it, it's similar to when you go see a movie twice. Yeah. The first time you see a movie, you're like the 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 story is running and you're into the story and like, yeah. and and you don't have a chance to go back to it. You're watching, you're watching, watching it, and then you're done. When you see it the second time, you said, okay, I know the story. Right. Now I can start paying attention to other parts of it, the photography and this yeah. thing. I think maybe that's a little bit for me the same thing. Okay. Like I'm, I go there and see the overall, and I'm also sort of, I don't say I'm on a time limit, but I'm. You know, I could probably have spent all day there. I didn't. I wanted to see other things in the museum, so yeah. I, I tried to spend as much time with like with I could, but I couldn't dive mm -hmm. into each picture and think about it in the same way right. that I was able to do the second time. To, to go back to the uh, presentation, it was an amazing amount of prints. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, we didn't count them. We, it, was, yeah. it must have been in the hundreds. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. Um, all about the same size. All presented. Uh, you know, white frames. White. Most of them are white mats. There were some. That were not matted, where the images were. How well, would you describe it? It was not a mat overlay. There was uh, was a like a floating mat. A mat. floating mat. And but the mat was yeah was out you know a quarter of an inch away or less from the print itself. I've never seen that before. Yeah, it was the, so you could see the entire. You could actually see, yeah, see, you could see the the, the, the paper paper yeah. edges. And then there were some presentations, not a lot of them, where they did what we would call diptychs. Were those the diptychs where they had the one and the nine? Oh, um, I don't know. I think I always think of diptychs as being two complete pictures. I, call I thought them they were described as. On oh, the, they I, I thought been. they were described well, the as two, diptychs, even yeah, two panels. Diptychs, two panels, yeah. Describe those. Describe so those. there would be one large print. I think it's usually uh, a, you know one one. Uh, print that has one large image on it, uh, usually on the left-hand side. Yeah, on the right? left-hand side. And on the right-hand side, there could be a grouping of 9, 16, 24, however many smaller images on another uh, on another print and another piece of paper. And we, when we were looking at it, they were like, well, how, where did these... Uh, how, how was this created? It wasn't a bunch of uh, individual prints stuck together. It looks like they masked and printed on that large piece. So that would be some effort to mask you know mask 16 images you know on one piece of paper yeah uh, how would they do that well, and they would have to be careful and they were and they were actually smaller prints i realized yeah. that they're enlarged they're, they're not enlarging they're reducing yeah, they're reducing so if you're doing that from an eight by ten piece of film how you I how would you do that i don't know i with uh, you'd have to use some kind of special lenses that something. would reduce down we'll have to look i didn't up. even think about that because well that's what i was wondering when we were walking around like there was a lot of you know, effort put into first of all registration of the prints on this one piece of photo paper, um, and then there's the how do you get from the large format down to down to the smaller scale? So there's a catalog uh, that the Met is offering up um, that you can buy that has all the images in the show, I believe, and mm -hmm. some of the history. You know, there's in fact there's quite a bit of print in the book. Um, it, there may be an explanation as to how that was done. I know maybe I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> they put, they will tell that. Um, yeah, there's actually a fair amount of text in there, um, yeah. which I like because I like that helps to do the deep dive. I didn't know about these people before the show. Yeah. Like it's not my, uh, it wouldn't be a subject that I was necessarily interested in, so I didn't know about them ahead right. of time. But now I'm like, you know, 
I learned of them from my interest in Robert Adams and uh, the new topographics photographers from the 70s. So I knew of them that they were, they had their own flavor. They had their own German-European flavor of uh, doing these uh, doing these structures. So I knew a bit of their images, but I didn't, I had no idea of the scale of, of what they actually worked on all these years. Other than industrial objects, mm-hmm. they did also photograph... Uh, houses in Germany yeah and specifically the framework houses so to describe that here um actually how would you describe that on on the back side of the house and actually it's I'll get into that a little bit later we ran into a a a German woman who helped us out a little bit with the architectural detail but on one side of the house um there's this almost stucco and uh, I don't know if it is stucco or whatever it is, but there's light-colored boards painted in various patterns. They sort of look structural, but they're very clearly a design element. And, the, and there are wood beams. There are wood beams, yeah. and they're painted white. No, the beams aren't painted white. I thought the beams were painted No, the, white. the beams are dark, and the panels are white. Okay. All right. I'm just... I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm getting on Believe me. Here. Here, I, I, Believe me. He knows what he's remembering. I'll show you a picture. He's going to show me a picture. There we go. Oh, you're right. You're right. So, yeah, the open areas between the beams is is uh, looks white, and then the the beams themselves are dark. And they're different patterns. They could be house shape patterns, geometric. Some can be an organic, almost a tree shape. Can you explain the reason why these are done this way? Did you remember, did you read it? Did I did not? You did not. Yeah, it was no. a. It was there was a certain. I'm not getting the details. It's like skimming right. them perfectly, but some amount of uh, wood they couldn't use an entire wall full of wood. They had to limit the amount of wood uh, oh, in right. the building, and right. so they filled it in with this, with these white panels or whatever they were. I don't whatever know if they, material it right. is, if it was, yeah. But they had to limit. Like this is just one side of the house. Yeah. You know, the other side of the house was fine, but they had to have a limit to the amount of wood that they could use on uh, in a house, and so they ended up designing at least in this area i don't know exactly in germany and, and what we discovered is there's no uh not very often not any windows on that side where the design is on the other side is typically a brick facade with windows um on two stories sometimes three some of them have uh, show three stories and we were we were sitting in the gallery trying to postulate why that why these Homes had bricks on one side, and the other side we were thinking, well, what's facing the street or whatever. And a woman who turned out to be German, who some of these photographs were taken around her home, said, um, the weather, the side where the weather's coming from is where the brick is. So so it's to help protect the design elements on the... uh, It also maybe sounds like that the side with the uh, framework is a lot more flimsy. A lot more flimsy. (laughs) Well, certainly compared to brick, it would be... So, and we thought that was fascinating. I certainly thanked her for explaining that to us. But uh, what's interesting for me is that in my neighborhood, there's a couple of houses in the area that's called Ditmas Park, where there's all these old houses from the turn of the 20th century, so 19, 1899 to 1909. And there's a few mm-hmm. houses, there's a lot of different designs there, yeah. but there are a few houses that, that riff on this uh, framework design. Right. And I always wondered about it. And like, you know, the, why why were these houses designed this Dying way? This way. Yeah. And I'm sure in this here, it's not because of wood restrictions. It's yeah. just they're riffing off this this. And style. I know too from uh, there's some um, resort towns in the mountains in British Columbia 
Uh, one's called Kimberley. There's a, a, a quite a large German population there. And there are homes that are built to very much have this kind of design element in them with the with the whiteboards and the dark uh, the dark beams. So it's a fascinating uh, fascinating architectural detail. Now we know where that where they come yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. That's so. kind of why I love this kind of stuff is to you know walk around, learn something new, and then say, oh wait, that's yeah. why that place is designed that way. Yeah. At least it's you know that's where the sort of the history comes from. In the show, there's a little seven and a half minute. Documentary. documentary video uh, like, um, the son took it and it was like uns- i don't think he took oh, it okay. i think he edited it okay and and i think he had it scanned first of all it's from 16 millimeter and it looks fabulous yeah i mean i it, i want to just comment on it because you know sometimes when you see old films and it's scratchy and it's you know it's fine but um to see the quality of this like they restored those mm-hmm. uh, and anyway it's a little scene of them going out to photograph I think that was a. Is a, it not Ohio? Gra- it? Is in the states, yeah. yeah. In a, uh, and I think that's. Oh, I would say it's a grain elevator. Yeah, yeah. It's a grain okay. elevator. Okay. And in, uh, in the Canadian prairies, we'd call that an inland terminal. Inland terminal. It's where your truck drops off your grain, and oh. then the railway goes by it, and then it, the, the silos get drained into the railway cars. Ah, sorry. But I no, just, that's I'm just <laughs> filling it in. It, it, but it doesn't sound anything related to farming. It's like inland terminal sounds like where a train stops. You know, it is. Well, the train does stop there. I know, but well, okay. But what does it do there? Yeah, exactly. It, and a terminal sounds like it's the end, but it's yeah. the end for the return. Anyway, it's the end for the farmer. End for, end for the farmer. The beginning for the yeah. after that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this little video shows them, like I said before, they're unloading their gear. Actually, that's that's where we came into the thing. It's unloading their gear from this uh, uh, Volkswagen mm-hmm. bus. Uh, which was kind of cool to see. Yeah, uh, and had us guessing what kind of cameras they had, but they go out to the location and they're both carrying this giant camera, pieces of the camera, you know, the tripod and the thing, and they're setting it up. And they're very coordinated. They were, <laughs> yeah. He's carrying this, and Hill is carrying the camera, the frame of the camera, with just with the lens board on it, no lenses. Yeah, and they're strutting out into there. And Actually, I want to comment on that before we go into this story, and, and realize that they're one of the. F- they seem to be one of the few photographer couples. They both yeah. were into this thing, and yeah. I thought that was really cool because they're both doing what they love, mm-hmm. you know. And and to have that uh, kind of pairing in a in a relationship, it's I would think it's kind of rare that two people mm-hmm. like to do the same thing exactly and go out and do these projects and 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 to do it for so long. They did it for yeah. up until the two thousands until, yeah, until, uh, until until Burn got burned, ill. You know? Yeah. Anyway, they. They go and they're scoping out this grain elevator and setting up, finding a viewpoint to set up at least for one angle, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming. And uh, in the process, there's a tree. Yeah. Or maybe not a tree, but like a very thick, I mean, it looks close to a tree, but it's a thick bush yeah. or something. It's not like a tree with a stump. And they, have yeah. to, they actually did have a stump. And Burned is like pulled out this <laughs> saw and he starts to saw the thing down. <laughs> and. And he's like, you know, they're, they're spending all this time filming him, sawing it, sawing it, sawing it, and yeah. and and, and uh, Hill is like dragging the branches off. <laughs> yeah, that's and is they're like pulling this thing so it's not in the shot, yeah. and they get it down to a stump, and they leave the stump there, I guess. Mm-hmm. That um, actually was, it was they left quite a bit of trunk, quite a bit of the trunk, like yeah, eight feet or seven feet. Into yeah, the air. but I guess it was inconsequential to the right. to the whole picture. Uh, and you know, it just had me thinking about this, and I, you know, I, I might have been obsessing a little bit about this idea of altering yeah. the the landscape to fit the picture. 
but you know they um uh, actually the farmer was there helping yeah, them out yeah yeah they had and, permission had permission know. and they dragged it away and they <laughs> and they made the photo yeah It was a great little. It was a great little film to see them. Cool, yeah, it you was know? great. Uh, it's part of the exhibit, and I would say you know it's worth seeing. It would be nice to see a longer mm-hmm. version of. I'm imagining there's more footage of them, so yeah. it's nice to see that background stuff. I like seeing behind the scenes. The behind the scenes at, at one particular location, so you could see their process and where they set up. And, yeah. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to sort of talk about, and I mean in relationship to the show in general, but we can go into finer details, is the idea of these prints, the print mm-hmm. the print quality. Yeah. Uh, and we both had a bit of, uh, actually I think more when you were here, because I'm thinking about it in relationship to photography altogether, but like to see prints like that, to see actual you know uh, cro- um, silver, gelatin silver gelatin prints yeah. That are done so well. Mm-hmm. Hey, they're consistent for their style. Over uh, thirty years. Over thirty Amazing. years. Yeah. yeah, right. And it's, and you know, I'm assuming that sometimes they had to shoot over multiple days. Mm-hmm. Uh, their whatever they were shooting, I would think, given the given the the um, coverage that they did, and then getting all that like the exposure correct. If you if you guys haven't uh, to listeners if you guys haven't worked in a dark room before uh, it, you know it's not obviously like working in Photoshop where everything is you can be very consistent you know mm-hmm. um, to to do this with large format film with giant prints with chemicals giant trays I mean just think of, I'm thinking of all the steps that it takes to make a print in, just to make one print yeah and to make Thirty of them, and I'm sure they made even. More, I'm sure they made tons of prints just to get to the, these levels. They must have gotten yeah. tons of paper. Yeah. The cost of this must have been yeah. insane. But yeah. the consistency of anyway, like I said before, we pixel peep and you go up to the prints, and especially because they were doing very bright skies and stuff like that, and the skies were not washed out. No. The skies had some A little bit of tone detail in it. Yeah, more than the the color of the paper. Right. And it got me thinking also about, like, well, if I was going to do prints like that now, I'd have to use an inkjet printer most likely. Yeah, and you would and, see and the ink, dots. You would see dots. Maybe maybe not all the time. Maybe it yeah. depends on the kind of paper you're using and it depends on the kind of how the printer would. But, like, if you took a, a I don't know, would you see dots on, on all of them? Uh, it depends. Um, yeah, I, I would on my printer at home. Yeah. For sure. I was just thinking about that sort of loss, like, uh, yeah. the not loss we have to sort of make a simulation of silver right. gelatin prints now and and what that would take anyway it was a, it was it was something that maybe on my second trip there yeah. was was starting to think about like oh and thinking about you know altering the environment which is you know the, the little video was showing yeah. they, you know they're from their time i mean that's the trees in the way you get rid of the tree yeah, yeah. and it looked like the farmer didn't give a yeah, give no. a crap about it yeah, <laughs> exactly. like, yeah but also the um the the size of the prints yes. too, just like that physical size of it, the quality of it, the amount of detail in it. I don't know if if um, modern any modern. I mean, unless it was like a phase one camera, like a hundred or maybe, two maybe. plus megapixel camera could get pull in that much detail. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I I have no clue. I mean, I I I wasn't. Uh, I mean, I wasn't trying to compare it with digital when I was looking at the images. I was just 
what is it can I see? You know, it's as close to being there. I mean, you, you get kind of the same sense with Ansel Adams' picture too, right, in terms of the right, detail. Right, right. You can see the needles on the pine trees and so on. Well, did we mention they were all black and white pictures? I don't think we oh, did. But so now's a good are. time. Now's <laughs> a good time. <laughs> They're all black and white they chose, pictures. They chose to make everything black and white. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, so with the level of detail that you could just, you know, bathe in it almost. It was like, and that's just one print. And on this wall, there are 15 other prints and with just as much detail. So there's, you know, there's everything. And like you had said before, you could take it all in as as a grouping or you could go in and drill down and look at any one of them and look for relationships between the two of them and you know we didn't spend a lot of time looking at individual installations to see if we could there were a few times where we caught the relationship between one print and another or the grouping um you know on a more macro scale um but it was uh, yeah it was something else and what would you what would I want to say your takeaway? I don't want to end this quite yet, but what would what would be one of the takeaways for for you having seen this? First of all, uh, and I think you had mentioned it before, even if the subject matter doesn't really interest you, um, something will happen when we when you go look at an exhibit like this, because you realize the effort that's required. You realize that the not just the effort, but the consistent, like you said, the consistency. Um, you don't have to you don't have to buy the program or the. Uh, catalog um, but it's it's something that you should see in terms of not just appreciation of photography but also and in my case because it interests me the history of photography mm-hmm. um, that n- I'm sure nobody else certainly that I know of or heard of took on a project of this type so exhaustively and what they were trying to do was capture images of these structures before they were taken away by changes in industrial technology and that was he they were trying to preserve that and that's what they were you know i think that was the original impetus for it but it it does it does two things it it does show these structures that the vast majority of them don't exist anymore and also provide an artistic experience or a creative experience um uh, as a viewer um to to absorb i think hilla was the one who who uh came up with the word typology for this. Mm. I mean, just a, a, in a sense, almost like recording. Oh, record, recording. Oh, recording uh, that's for what these posterity are. for, you know, or whatever to honor the object itself. Right. I think that's what they were doing, and they're sort of obsessed by recording these objects. Right. And then also by the fact that they would sort of circle them. They're three-dimensional objects, you know, yeah. these giant buildings, and they would hit all the cardinal points of it so they want yeah. you to see the same thing from different points of view right so and it's interesting you do find yourself going back and forth between prints going okay this is here that's there and we're looking at you know chains and lines and stuff hanging from uh they were hanging from the the structure oh right we're trying to piece uh, and the like w- and and well one thing is to say okay well it's here now we're looking in this view it should be here and also in the case of things like guy wires that you can see it um, oh, the wires, the images so, the from fine. transmission power transmission towers, where you can see that power line run off into the distance, and it's still picked up by the lens in the film. It's almost like smaller than, on the print; it's smaller than a hair. Than a hair, and, yeah. And you follow it all the way down. It's that just amount of detail. Stunning. But this typology reminds me of, uh, you know, the first thing that 
clicked in my mind was when I worked at the Botanic Garden for doing their uh, calendars. I got a chance to dive into some of their archives for some mm -hmm. pictures. And as botanical photographers will do is they're recording the specimens. And right. so they're dropping them down on something and they don't necessarily have to do a three-dimensional, you know, like a 3D view of it, you know, right. circle around it, but they're cataloging it, you know, mm -hmm. and they're cataloging this, this species and this species and this species. And the pictures themselves, you know, they're, they're photographing them mainly as a re recording device, but then actually start to look at them as pictures. Right. And, you know, whether the photographer knew this or not, or was trying to make the plant look nice or just photographing it in a way, um, they would, you know, end up sort of inadvertently creating art. And so we have we have a visitor here. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. We're in my living room, so we have, yeah. a, a, we have a cat who's going to talk to us. Hi there, buddy. If I pet him, he won't talk anymore. So this ends up being, you know, not... Um, as being this typology, this recording of these these objects mm -hmm. that uh, you said we're never gonna, we're probably never gonna see again because right. they're gonna be destroyed, uh, and they, but they also become a catalog. They just become this, you know, in some sense, a record. I think uh, there would be some sort of value at doing a typology today of anything. Sure. Is it just a like with any kind of subject that yeah, you would want to pick do? a subject that has a sort of a consistency. I mean, we could do, well, it's big right now, people um, on the Canadian prairies anyway, taking pictures of um, wooden grain elevators that are on their way out. Uh -huh. I mean, that's big. A lot of people are doing it. Um, there's that. What about um, something more? Or urban? Uh, or, or for scale, like, you know, what, what could, a, what would be the purpose of it, but what could you do, like, um, you know, if I wanted to explore something like this on my own, what would be, like, you see where I live? Yeah. Right? You know, would it be a still life of something? Would it be objects, be like uh, doing well, botanic, you know, because you know, they talk about this being like a, um, recording botanical specimens. Yeah, well, you've got um, those bonsai tree pictures on your wall in your house, right? Yeah. I mean, those um, those, those sorts of things. Um, well, what would interest me, being new to your neighborhood, would be a lot of those buildings, either storefronts as part of the bigger building. You know, I could see taking pictures of each storefront and then the greater building, and, uh, and you know, when you're doing the, the, the parent and the children, you know, uh -huh. the, the big print and the collection oh, and of little prints. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and what's the, what do you think the value of a typology is in photography? This is a different way to experience a subject to make you yeah. look at the subject instead of walking by it every day or making something that's mundane or whatever more interesting you can yeah. it's like anything else you take a picture of a person well it goes back to what Gina was saying Gina was saying in the podcast you had with him about you know he took a picture of that that biker guy and you could stare into his eyes for as long as you wanted you, you can do that as a viewer and here it's kind of the same thing you can look into that storefront and see the details behind the glass and contemplate that on its own plus it being part of a greater whole and you've oh. got a different different scale and you you're talking a lot today about scale you yeah. wanted you know to see the human or to see the cow or the mm -hmm. railway car and how it relates to the actual size of the building the thing about the book i wouldn't necessarily rely on the book as a way to see the show no and, and unfortunately, I actually don't know if this show is traveling. 
it's a it's a heck of an exhibit. I think it took them several years to put this together. Yeah, uh, and they're borrowing a lot of the images from different galleries, and they think they worked with the um, uh, one of the museums in San Francisco. Okay, to put this together, and as well as the the archives from the Besher's archives. So mm-hmm. I imagine it's a giant thing, and it'd be a shame if this doesn't travel. I mean, this seems like a yeah. it seems like it would be a great show to travel. So I don't know if anybody who's listening to the show will be able to see this then and, and if you if you could only get the book you know it's it's a yeah. worthwhile investment i think is a it's a beautifully produced book mm-hmm. the 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 issue is that you can't get close up to the prints you can't right. see this stuff uh close up so well there's but, an image on the front of a water tower and the amount of detail that they were able to do in the printing process is is gives you an idea of what the print might be although the print does still exceed it by quite a bit yeah i mean they're, they're much larger and stuff yeah. so uh what would be my takeaway from it and uh this is a very good question because again this is not my style of work it's not mm-hmm. what i would have se- sought out in general but right. now that i've seen it it's funny mm-hmm. because this is new to me and uh i think i posted it up in our in our uh, our unusual group a while back when the show was first announced and right. i said like this looks interesting but i wasn't quite diving into it i didn't know who they were but now having seen this stuff i thought you know i could really spend all day in these galleries just looking mm-hmm. at these images i could go back and over and over because i think there's just so much to see mm-hmm. and so much to contemplate but it gives me this idea of like could i would i want to do something like this but my version of it would it be something that was of a value and, and mm-hmm. time and and i kind of do that when i walk around my neighborhood right and i i i, I tie that in with you know walking in Walker Evans shoes, you right. know, like I, I, in fact, I think he's referenced as part of their, um, as part of their influence yes. for some of, for, for their work. Cause yeah. he's going around maybe not at the same amount of detail or wandering around and shooting the same thing. He's always looking for mm-hmm. a sort of a single aspect of the object that he's photographing a building or, or a house or something like that, uh, to sort of tell the whole story. Right. right? And, 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 and of course, well, Evans never shied away from sun. In fact, I think he always wanted sun right. in his picture. He called it raking light. Raking light. Well, along the facade of a building. Well, right, right, to create an angle, angle and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've done that in my neighborhood with certain houses. I don't know if, you know, or st- structures. I don't know if they're going to be here or not, but I, I kind of think, like, if my, my pictures tend to last a long time, then I'll have some record of mm-hmm. some of these structures that yep. uh, that will be in here. So I kind of already do this, not at the extent these people are. But this, like, I look at this, these people and I was like, these, they're dedicated. Mm-hmm. They were dedicated to what they were doing. And that's all they did. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't go and photograph, you know, landscapes. They have a few landscapey pictures in there right. that show the sort of the overall and stuff. But the, this is what they did. And, and there's a part of me that envies that, to have that kind of dedication to do mm-hmm. one thing uh, for the, your entire life. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. So, Well, we're benefiting from it now as viewers. I mean, and look at it that way. And watching them work together, and uh, they, didn't, they didn't talk very much to each other. There was like the they just task at hand was just, it was a coordination. Yeah. I think that was, uh, that spoke to, uh, you know, it was just built in. What is it we have to do to get this image of this uh, of this particular structure? And they just they just worked and created, and 
Now, we did see some ephemera of uh, Polaroid images. Oh, right. That notes. was the other thing. That, right, let's talk about that for a minute. Back. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. So in one of the galleries, um, there was uh, Polaroid pictures, which I assume were test prints or prints made for dummies, uh, which is like a proto book, as they were you know, putting it together either for a gallery show or for um, books. And there's, they, they actually did produce quite a few books. Um, I know Aperture. Yeah, Aperture did a bunch did, of them. Yeah, did some some of the later ones, and then ones printed. In Actually, German there's one place. on the Framework Houses. I think they did one. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, just yeah. To remember that they did that. Yeah. But yeah, go on. Um, and so they. Um, actually, what I lost my train of thought there. Um, about the books, so the about ephemera. The ephemera. And, yeah. So, so you saw notes. Uh, you saw their notes about where it was, and some of it was interesting too, because when they're still shooting in Germany, the some notes would they would say DDR on it. So <laughs> pictures that were taken. DDR is uh, the Deutsche Democratic Republic, which is the East Germany. Uh, so pre, so some of the pre Berlin Wall, pre Berlin Wall, yeah. So so it sounds like they got to go. I realize they got to go cross border. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So so when you know you look at the name of the German town and then you check the year, you could probably figure out that it was taken on the on the on the on the East German side. So. Um, no, it was just interesting to see that they put a lot of effort into, um, or just see what effort they put into arranging the images to put in, uh, in whatever form they were going, whatever final form they were going to go into. Yeah. And so it's fun to see that. That's a behind the scenes kind of thing. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, and it also shows that they wouldn't, they weren't just dropping themselves into a location and saying, yeah. okay, we're going to photograph this. There was a yeah. lot of, it's incredibly a lot, a lot of prep work. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming because some of the places they were photographing were active mm-hmm. sites. They had to work with the people who owned it so they get permission and, and yeah. shot there and, and with the blessing. Like they weren't actually the one thing about these pictures that that they're not they're not judgmental. No, no. Like there's some really nasty looking industrial places. Like we look at them now and you say like I wouldn't want. There's some pictures with the houses right. like two feet away, you know, like a, right across the street from these like yeah. you know steel factories. And there's no judgment in the no, pictures. It's just the way it is. Yeah, um, which I which I find interesting because you know we can often skew our photographs with judgment because we yeah. we project our own uh, ideas into the image when we photograph it or how right. we decide to to publish it. And there's none of that in this. No. That and I, I just think realized. of Robert Adams where he he's outraged by the encroachment of of urban sprawl into nature. Right, and right. that was his deal. Um, the Beshers were into just documenting what was there with the uh, with the point of view of, well, this thing that we're photographing will not be here much longer. And then, it's a different different point of view. But it's it, And it's, it's so interesting how that documentation then turns into art. I mean, this stuff is being presented in an art museum. Right. And, and even one of their exhibits is someplace, I can't remember where it was, but they actually won an award for sculpture because of the... Oh. The um the the way the the gallery was set up, so they got oh, this sculpture yeah. award. Um, like the whole thing, the right. whole presentation was was something, but to take this documentation and like I was talking about the botanic pictures, like the photographer, mm-hmm. I, I think I don't know, can't get into the mind of a photographer from whenever, yeah. whether or not they were thinking about art. I would say probably not. You know, closer to the beginning of photography, or at that time, I would think you know, well, we got a camera, yeah, and you know. We need to take documents of these these specimens. Right. It's not the time to go. You know, they're going to try to make it nice, yes, but they're right. not going to spend like, oh, I'm going to do light. Right. And da, da, da. Uh, I I don't 
I don't know. I haven't read enough in the book of whether they were, you know, they were thinking about pr- they're producing art. Oh, they were doing both. Well, were I they think aware of this? Burns' early drawings. Oh, right per- of industrial subjects. I think he wanted to create art out of out of these, and I'm, I'm sure. Uh, well, I'm sure. I'm I'm guessing that uh, not having read the catalog yet, um, that from he probably photographed some of these. He probably photographed some of these buildings or these structures, and so that he could do his drawings. Oh, right. From art school, and then I probably just kind of caught fire from there. There was one at the beginning of this uh, exhibition, or not at the beginning. One of the rooms that showed uh, a thing that he did a collage mm. of um, the. the steel aluminum pipes yeah they're yeah well just big ducts big like ducks, glass furnace duck, ducts yeah, yeah and what he did was he cut out the prints and then sort of put them together in sort of a collage that made it look like it was one structure yeah which i thought was really kind of fun i yeah. was like if i was going to do something like that that'd be kind of i mean that's something you could do in photoshop now and you yeah excuse me you come out with the same kind of effect but i thought mm-hmm. that was really really cool to like take bits and pieces from this photograph cut them out and join them together and create something new. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of fun to see. Yeah. And to see the progression of her. Like, I think uh, he was the he was the artist drawer and she was the cataloger. Cat, and yeah. so they seemed to make a perfect pair. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think we about covered it. I think this was, you know, uh, there's probably much more we can talk about this. But um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it, it was I a think great show. If, like we say, if you can, if you have a chance to go see it at the... Uh, at the Metropolitan, please do. There's certain I I will link in the show notes. There's a couple of um, uh, actually walkthroughs of the gallery that the Met put up on YouTube, mm. and there's another discussion which I haven't watched yet, but a discussion with the the person who curated the show, and those are actually helpful to see as yeah. well. I think that you could just get some background into it, and there's a little art speak in it, you know, yeah. <laughs> which I'm not a big. And it's fan. a bit of a primer before you do go to the gallery I would actually recommend seeing them I'm glad I saw them before I went into the show yeah yeah but yeah. Uh, keep your eyes open if you can see the show if it does travel somewhere or you know if you can see any documentaries about this I think it's it's a it's a nice eye opener like I said for me I didn't know about them before and it's I, I enjoy discovering mm-hmm. even you know older photographers like I think you've got a better uh, body of knowledge of older photographers. Even though I'm a photographer and I've taken classes, I don't. Yeah, but I don't you really worked. I didn't really work. Well, I spent my time working, and you spent your yeah. you your time getting books and and studying this stuff. And so it, for me, it it was a, a great pleasure to to discover these people and just find like, oh, this is another aspect of photography that I didn't know about and mm-hmm. I like and. It'd be kind of nice, I don't know if it's possible to, to walk in their shoes, but to do it my own way, you yeah. know, to go around. You know, we talked about in the gallery, like some ways that we can, uh, you know, or I figured in some way I can mimic that and I might try that project when I can. So right. we'll see. So anyway, I think we've, uh, I think we've done it. I think it sounds good. We did a show. We did <laughs> a show and, and we did it in person, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah, we might have a little bit of uh, construction going on in the background, but I think that's appropriate with the... Uh, with the subject matter. <laughs> with the subject right. matter. Yeah, so. And hey. like Besher's buildings, uh, I won't be here much longer. I'll be leaving New York here later this afternoon. So. Yeah, so. Well, then the next show we'll do from a distance. We'll do from a distance. It won't be sp- spooky action from a distance. That's right. <laughs> Familiar action. From well, the spooky, that's the whole Halloween thing, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, well yeah, so. Anyway, so why don't you... Uh, let everybody know where they can find all your wonderful work and stuff. Certainly. I'm posting new content up to Vero. I'm at W Rosin Photo. 
And I'm also on Facebook at uh, Ward Rosin Photography, uh, W-A-R-D-R-O-S-I-N Photography. And I'm also on uh, my website where I sell my fine prints is uh, rosin.ca, R-O-S-I-N.ca. That's all I can think of. And? And, I, and I'm also on Twitter at W Rosin Photo. And our unofficial sponsor is Ornis Photo, O-R-N-I-S dot photo where I sell um, X-mount and uh, uh, Sony E-mount 7R to Sans lenses and lens adapters. Yeah. It's a fun little thing to do. Yeah. Make a little bit of money doing that. I love third-party lenses. Yeah. Sorry for you uh, Canon people. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know. That's a, that's... We won't get into that. So Anyway, I'm on Vero now at AM Rosario and Twitter at AM Rosario. You can look at my pictures on Instagram, just don't join me because the hacker is lurking. But you can look at my pictures there at AM Rosario and Facebook at rosario.photo and my website is amrosario.com. And uh, yeah, our our website for this is uh, streetshots.photography. So I need to yep. revamp it a little bit. But yeah, so thanks for it. It was a great uh, it was great having you here. Great trip. Yeah, it was outstanding. I will never forget it. All right, well, fantastic. And uh, we'll we'll be together in a couple of weeks to do our next show whatever it might be it'll be mid-november mid-november all right well thanks why work thank you appreciate it and thanks everybody we'll see you in a couple of weeks and uh, take care okay bye-bye bye that's it that's a lot wasn't it (laughs) (laughs) might have it wasn't i might have best your nightmares now i don't know (laughs) All right. Where are we going to next? Can we go to the Egyptian thing? I want to walk where Meg Ryan walked. Okay.